Today, the eyes of the world are on the Middle East as world leaders try to jumpstart the stalled peace process. What does the future hold for this troubled part of the world? We'll find out today as Pastor Albert Runge talks about Jerusalem, the focus of prophecy, right here on Messianic Perspectives. Shalom, and welcome to Messianic Perspectives, a daily program where we look into the scriptures from a distinctive first-century Jewish point of view. I'm Liz Aiello. Today, we'll be hearing from Associate Bible Teacher Albert Runge as he talks about Jerusalem, the focus of prophecy. I'll be back a little later with information about a special offer, so have your pencil and paper ready. But first, with today's study, here is Al Runge. Thank you for allowing me to come into your home and to share with you a wonderful message of Jesus, our Jewish Messiah. I'm continuing my messages on Jerusalem, the focus of prophecy. In our first message, we explained the original purpose for the establishment of the tabernacle in the wilderness. God wanted to have a place where he could dwell among his people visibly, have a place where he could meet with his people, and a place for making atonement for their sinful souls. In our second message, we saw that the temple was built in Jerusalem so that it would attract all nations to come and pray to the living God. Because, you see, God is not only the God of the Jew, he's the God of the Gentile as well. In our third message, we studied the prophecy of Jesus when he predicted the destruction of the temple, proving that he is a true prophet. In Deuteronomy 18, verse 21 and 22, Moses explained how Israel would know a true prophet. And if you say in your heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously, you shall not be afraid of him. The early Messianic Jews used the prophecy of Jesus concerning the destruction of the temple as an evidence of his authenticity as God's prophet, as God's Messiah, and the Son of God. Now, in the 4th century, Julian became emperor of Rome. He succeeded Constantine, his uncle, whom he secretly hated. He attempted to restore heathenism to Rome and destroy Christianity. He was called the apostate. He pretended to be a Christian until he was crowned the Emperor of Rome. He wanted to prove that Jesus was an imposter, so he gave a commission to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem because many, Jew, because many Jewish uh, Messianic Jews looked to that prophecy as an evidence of his Messiahship. So Jews came from the world, various parts of the world, and began to rebuild the temple because from the time of Hadrian in 135 AD, Jews were not permitted back in Jerusalem. Julian promised them all the financial resources they needed, and so they began building the temple. Then something amazing happened, according to a number of ancient historians. While they were restoring the temple, a tornado and an earthquake broke down their structure. Uh, some reported fire fell down from heaven and consumed their work. A cross appeared on the sky 
Socrates, the ancient historian, not the philosopher, also wrote that a cross appeared on the bodies of the workers that shined in the night, and they could not wash it off. Well, whatever happened, we know the work ended in terror and in fear. The significance of the cross is important because the cross of Christ made the temple system unnecessary. Julian, the emperor of Rome, was planning to return from a battle to instigate a persecution against all Christians, but he died in battle. It was reported that as he was dying, he looked up into heaven and said, O thou Galilean, thou hast won. Now, Jesus' prediction that the temple would be destroyed stayed true. His prophecy came true because he is the prophet that Moses said would come. God said in Deuteronomy 18, 18 to 19, he said, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren and will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. Now today we want to see not only why the temple was no longer needed, but also what God has given us is much better than the outward worship of the old temple system. In John 4, 21 and 24, uh, Jesus made a very interesting prophecy. He said to the woman of Samaria, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. One of the most amazing verses in the Bible for me is 1 Corinthians six seventeen eighteen. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Think of it. God's spirit and the human spirit become in a unity. So instead of us having to go to an earthly destination like Jerusalem to worship God, we can do it right in our own hearts, in our own spirits. We can worship God at any time. In fact, we are told in 2 Corinthians 6.16, For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So in this age, in this dispensation, we are God's temple. Our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God that was on the tabernacle and the temple in Jerusalem. So we can worship God and fellowship with him at any time. In 1 John 1, 3-4, John the Apostle wrote, That which we have seen and heard we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Now, in no way am I suggesting that the city of Jerusalem does not have a future or a future within God's plan. We're told in Zechariah 8.3, Thus saith the Lord, I will return to Zion and dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem shall be called the city of truth, the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. When Israel is restored, Jerusalem will become the capital of the world. Now, the natural question is not, will Jerusalem be restored to be the spiritual capital of the world in the millennium, but when will it happen? The disciples had this question on their minds, 
just before the resurrected Jesus ascended to heaven. In Acts 1, 6-11, they, therefore, when they had come together, they asked Jesus, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times and seasons which the Father has placed in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now we know that Israel will be restored as a nation. If not, Jesus had the opportunity to correct his early Jewish disciples and tell them that uh, it's not going to happen. But what he said is that the church is not given a timetable to know when God will place society within his own power. Now this is an amazing statement for it reveals that in our present age, God has not taken over the domination of our culture and society. Who then is in control of our world? 1 John 5.19 gives us the answer. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. When bad things happen, who do we blame? We blame God because we do not understand that there is the devil, who is also called Satan and the serpent, He is the God of this age, but one day God will end Satan's rule and Jesus will take the world over. No longer will violence or injustice be tolerated. The day is coming when God wills shall be done on earth as it is being done in heaven. The biggest problem today is that Satan influences fallen humanity. A man told me that he became an atheist when he saw a picture of an African mother weeping while holding a dead child in her arms because of a drought. How could God allow it, he asked. Well, what is about the responsibility of mankind? There is plenty of water in the world and food, and uh, man can develop means of of distribution. There is an evil in the world that would allow a child to die of hunger. God will judge mankind for it. But when the kingdom of God is established on the earth, then I want to tell you, no child will ever die of hunger or thirst. The King of Kings is returning to set things right. Now, until he comes, we have a commission. And our commission is very clear, that we are the witness of Jesus Christ. And they began in Jerusalem, if you remember. Then they went to Samaria. Then the gospel spread to the uttermost parts of the world. We still have a commission before us today as we witness of the authenticity of Jesus, our blessed Savior, when we tell people that they can now be born of God's Spirit, that God will dwell within them, that they can have an atonement free and complete so that all their sins will be forgiven and they can stand before God blameless. What a wonderful gospel we really have. And I want to tell you, it's so simple. And God made it simple. The reason he made it simple was because it would be too complicated for us otherwise. It is complicated how God has brought justification to us, but all he asks us to do is believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You might say, I don't have faith to believe. Well, you have faith, don't you? When you go to a drugstore with a prescription from your doctor, a prescription you can't even read, and you give it to this pharmacist you don't even know, and he gives you some pills, and you take it by faith, how do you know he gave you the right pills? Well, if you have enough faith to believe a doctor, 
and a prescription that's hard to read, and a pharmacist you never knew, you can certainly believe the Creator who made you and gave you life and offers you eternal life through Jesus Christ. Would you not accept Him now? Open your heart to Him. He'll come in and bless your life. Thank you, Pastor Runji. And thank you, listening friend, for tuning in today. You've been listening to Albert Runji, our associate Bible teacher, here on Messianic Perspectives, and his discussion of Jerusalem, the focus of prophecy. In this fascinating series of studies, Pastor Al Runji explains the pivotal role the city of Jerusalem plays in Bible prophecy. He says it's no accident that this ancient city is the focal point of world attention in our generation. If you enjoyed today's study, you'll be glad to know that our special offer this week is the CD of this current series of studies on Jerusalem, the Focus of Prophecy, and you can have this set shipped right to your door for a gift of only $12. Just visit our secure online store at MessianicSpecialties.com to place your order. If you would prefer to order by mail, just address your request to Messianic Perspectives, P.O. Box 345, San Antonio, Texas, 78292. To order by phone, use our toll-free order line from the U.S. The number is 1-800-926-5397. And as always, when you're in touch with us, please mention the call letters of this station. If you're listening to our webcast or podcast, we need to know that too. I'm Liz Aiello. Join us next time, won't you, as Pastor Albert Runge continues our series of studies on Jerusalem, the Focus of Prophecy, right here on Messianic Perspectives. Messianic Perspectives is sponsored by CJF Ministries of San Antonio, Texas, and is made possible on this station by the free will contributions of our listeners in this area. Music